You guys have a seat. It is uh, an honor and a privilege to read to you tonight uh, the Christmas story from Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius, the governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out of the field, keeping their watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Let's pray. Lord God, we have heard this story before. God, I don't know how many times we have heard this story, but I do pray that we would never lose the childlike wonder when we read it. God, we confess that no one ever graduates from the Christmas story and the gospel. So as we read it tonight, would you refresh not the story, but us, our our minds and our hearts to the wonder of the birth of your son, Jesus, and all that that means for us. God, freshen our minds and our hearts to receive it by your grace and your mercy in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, Merry Christmas uh, to you. Uh, Thank you so much for joining here at our church. We know that you could be a lot of places tonight, uh, maybe even a lot of other churches to go to, uh, but we are honored that you have made this part of your busy uh, next few days. If you are someone here who is a guest of our church, maybe maybe you're someone who's just been fr- uh, friends or family had invited you this year and you're visiting from out, out of town. God, we're so thankful that you're here with us. Um, would you do us a favor? There's a blue card somewhere probably around a chair in front of you somewhere. Would you just fill that out? Let us know that you're a guest of our church tonight. Uh, We'll send one email. You don't get added to a a long list of emails and we're not gonna bombard you with those things, but just one, wanna tell you thank you for coming. Uh, And if you're someone who's been away for a little bit from our church, um, also, would you fill out that connect card? Let us know that you're back and we just wanna love and and pray for you as well. But I, I love this service 
Uh, really, for over 1,500 years, Christians have been gathering on Christmas Eve, celebrating this kind of a service. And here it is in 2021. 1,500 years later, and we are still unwrapping the gift of God's Son. I love this service. Uh, I also love these kind of special days because our kids are in here. Our little life pointers have joined us in this special service. And um, I, I don't know about you, I love the kids being in here. Uh, they, kids, we love you. Uh, we, uh, you keep us alive and active. That's what they do for the church. And so uh, we also know as a church, if we don't reach the future, we, we won't have a future. So I'm thankful that our kids are here. Moms and dads, listen for just a moment. We know there's going to be some squirming in here tonight, all right? We, we know that. We're okay with that. You can be okay with them squirming as well. Alive churches have squirming problems, so we're cool with that. Uh, now, what I'm not saying is that you don't have to parent, all right? Please hear me on that. Like, if your kid is the one that grabs the candle and tries to light the lady's hair on fire in front of you, uh, or they're the kid that's lapping around the church right in the middle here, listen, you need to parent in those moments, all right? We don't do burnt offerings at our church, so uh, stop that. And, and if they're lapping, I doubt, I'm going to doubt that they're doing it because I made a solid point biblically. So uh, if they're doing those things, just kind of keep them tight there a little bit. We'll try to be brief tonight, but we love the fact that all the kids are here. Uh, we're all also all over the map as we come in here today as well. Some of us are excited. You have the Christmas spirit. You're anxious about tomorrow morning and excitement. You've been filled and all those things. Others are, uh, are kind of filled with anxiety because you're hustling and hurry because you still have stuff to do. You got to get home. You got to wrap the gifts. You got to put gifts together. You're just kind of like, what needs to be done to make it all happen? Um, and then others are here and you're filled with great sadness this season brokenness, incompleteness, maybe a lost loved one. You're going to go to a, a, a gathering and that person's not going to be there. And so uh, wh- why I say all of that is this, is because no matter who you are, how you are, or where you are, you have this invitation uh, by God to be nourished tonight uh, and, and reorient your mind, your heart, and everything to the, to the weight and the wonder of the birth of Jesus. I know there's a lot of things going out there, but this is the main thing. And so I hope that we can just all pause for uh, 30 minutes or so tonight and breathe this in uh, because we simply, we need it. And so as our kids are here, this is something we do every single year. And if you're part of our church, you know what we're going to do. I'm going to invite um, our little ones. So if you're, you have a, uh, a, a newborn up to uh, fifth grade, I want to invite them to come up because we have a small gift we give them. We want to pray for them. And so we want to celebrate them. So if that's you, come on up. Henry, come on, buddy. Come on. That's you too, Valor and Ezzy. Come on, buddy. You may hold you. Come on. All right, Matthias too. Y'all stay right here. Everybody come on up. Come on, Sophia. Y'all can line up down the stage here. Yep, y'all just take your time. Hey, this is unscripted, by the way. We don't, we don't, we don't, we don't know what's getting ready to happen, but uh, we love it. We, wanna, we all want to love our kids. So y'all spread out here. And so my wife, Callie, is going to help hand these out too. But um, listen for just a minute. So at our church, this year, we have been talking about Jesus, our reigning king. 
the risen king, uh, the real king. We have been exalting Christ as king all year. So this year, we've got them a little Christmas ornament, a crown that says king of kings. Because children, we want you to always remember that Jesus is the king of kings. He's a good king right? So we want to do that. We want to pray for you guys and pray for your kids. And then uh, we'll, we'll continue tonight. So Father, we, uh, we stop and pause tonight to thank you for these little, little gifts, these little Psalm 127 gifts that you've given to all of the parents and you've given to, to our church. God, I pray that as they grow up in body, um, I pray that you, they would grow in understanding of you, that you would fill their minds Uh, with the knowledge of who you are, their hearts, uh, with great passion and love for you, and that you would activate their little bodies for your glory. We adore you. We adore these children. God, I pray that as we look upon these kids, that our affections do not terminate upon them, as beautiful as they are. These kids are designed to point us to something greater, that is you. And so uh, we thank you for them. We pray for them. We pray that you save them quickly in life and that you would uh, just bless their families and you would use the parents to do so. We love you. And we pray these things in Christ's precious name. Amen. All right, guys, y'all come on in here. Let's get some of these ornaments. Miss Callie's got, got them down there in the basket here, okay? And then you guys go right back to your little seats with mom and dad. You have me a big old stack right there, babe. I'll get those. All right, Mr. Rezzy, come on down here, buddy. Here, take that over there. There you go. Here you go. There you go, guys. Merry Christmas. Yes, ma'am. All right, Merry Christmas, Emery. Avery. Merry Christmas. Okay, got got you. What's up, guy? What you need? You need a Persady. Here you go. That's okay, sweetie. Here. All right, y'all did good. Head back. There you go. It's probably two for the row. Amen. Thanks, buddy. All right, guys. Thank y'all for doing that. Oh, I have to jump up on the stage. When I'm unable to do that, that's when you know I'm, uh, I need to retire from being a pastor. Um, thanks, guys. Appreciate y'all doing that. So here's what we're going to do tonight. Uh, we have been, as a church, walking through a series, Advent series called Oh, Come All Ye Faithful, um, from a, an old hymn of 1711. And so it's this idea where the shepherds upon seeing the glory of God and they rush to Bethlehem and they shout with praise, oh, come all ye faithful, come to behold and adore the Christ child. And so we, we've been uh, coming figuratively to the manger in Bethlehem every single week because we are the faithful, we are the church to behold and adore Jesus. And every single week we've come to the manger We have watched and worshiped. We've seen that this baby in a manger, this Jesus is our joy, is our hope, is our love, and is our peace. And so tonight, uh, we reach this apex of the Advent season. What we're going to see, that the key to unlocking the treasure chest of peace, love, joy, and hope in your life is found... In verse 11 alone in the Christmas story, in, the, in the, the, the narrative that we just have read together. So this child, this birth announcement of Jesus, that's what we're going to look at, a birth announcement. Who is this child that this child, that an angel of the Lord would announce his arrival? 
Yes, amen. Gold star for Henry. Told you this is unscripted. Always Jesus, always the right answer in church. Good job, Henry. Uh, Who is this child that a light shines so bright in the sky that was brighter than all the lights of the Opryland and the very sun itself? This light was beaming from the babe in Bethlehem. Who is this child that a multitude of heavenly hosts were singing at his birthday? Let's look at verse 11 of the birth announcement of Jesus. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. One of my favorite things about this church is seeing all of the babies around our church. There's, if you didn't know about, about our church, there's a baby boom happening at the creek. And babies are everywhere. And I love seeing the babies here. We know that there are gifts from God. Uh, babies born into the congregation, uh, they're like fresh blood in the veins of the church. We praise God for these little bitty babies. So w- the way it usually goes down, mamas and daddies find out they're pregnant, they're gonna have a baby, so they start to post uh, pictures and uh, uh, the progression, the baby bump and all those things. And then what happens is the baby's born and we see a birth announcement come out from the parents. Uh, typically, they come in the form of either old school postcard, you get something in the mail and it's a picture, you stick it on your fridge, or uh, they post on social media about the birth of their child. And so in that, in that post, it's a post that goes out to friends and family. That post is good news And it usually contains three things in the birth announcement. The baby's name, the weight, and the date of birth. That's that's typically those three things. But notice how Luke's birth announcement of Jesus Christ is different in some ways. Although it was given privately to a few lowly shepherds, it's intended to go out to all people across the entire earth. It is good news of great, great joy. And it also contains three things about the baby. But notice it's not the date of birth, the name, and the weight. It's three things about this baby that make Christmas what it is. The three things are this. This child Jesus is a savior. He is the Christ and he is the Lord. This phrase is only used one time in conjunction in the Gospels. These are three titles and three truths that are inseparable, and they tell us about the beauty and the wonder of Mary's child. So we're going to look at that briefly tonight, those three things, Savior, Christ, and Lord, and what that means for us. The first thing I want you to see here is that Jesus is a Savior. If you have ever sinned one time in your life, you need a Savior. Romans 3.23 says that is all of us. That, that no one of us, there's not one of us here in this room that is good. In fact, our nature is to do bad, not do good. We're not people who just sin, we're sinners. We're not good people according to 
the scriptures in Romans especially. Now, kids, listen for just a minute. Who in here has watched The Grinch? Y'all seen The Grinch? All right, so listen, adults, you probably watch it with them. Listen, kids, and listen, adults, for just a minute. I was watching The Grinch the other day. And so when I watch The Grinch, every time I watch that show, like I'm trying, I'm self-identifying as one of the who's, not The Grinch, right? Don't you, don't you do that when you watch that? Oh, I, I'm, I'm the who's, and I don't like that old nasty Grinch, right? But the reality of that is, is I am the Grinch. According to God, in reality, I am, I'm the Grinch. We are all the Grinch. We're mean. We are vile. We are all bad bananas. (laughs) And, And all of our hearts are empty holes. Because of our sin, we have all offended a holy and righteous God. We have stored up punishment, wrath, being separated from God forever. Death, hell for eternity. This is Christmas. Now, I know you're not going to read that in Twas the Night Before Christmas. You won't hear that stuff in there. But the reality of the real Christmas story in Luke 2 is this. The beginning of Christmas, that before this can be good news of great joy, we first have to come to the understanding and the agreement that the bad news of our great guilt before God. You have to go there first. But here's the good news. The good news as this child in swaddling clothes is a savior. Yes, we are all great sinners, but this baby is a great savior. And this news goes out to all people because all people need a savior. There's no one here tonight and no one on the earth that's so good that they don't need to have a savior. And there's also no one here that is so bad that they have outsinned the savior. This is why it's called good news of great joy. And the scriptures are unapologetically shouting that there is salvation in no one or nowhere else but Jesus Christ. He is God's only provision for our predicament. In this life, you will have problems. You will have problems with money, you'll have problems with sickness, with disease with others causing you pain. You will have problems with the world and politics. You'll have all kind of problems in this world. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. But the Christmas story reminds us what our biggest problem is. It's always sin. Sin is our biggest problem and that therefore a savior is our biggest need. Jesus Christ is the savior the savior of the world. The second title and truth is that Jesus is our Christ. You may know this, you may not know this. Christ is not Jesus' last name. Don't know if you knew that or not, but Christ is a title. Christ from the Greek 
means anointed. In the Hebrew, it means Messiah. What's a anointed and what's Messiah mean? Well, you have to go back to the beginning of Christmas in Genesis 3.15. After Adam and Eve, their perfect teeth punctured the fruit, sin entered into the world, sin and curse entered into the cosmos. But from that moment, God promised a Messiah, an anointed one, a chosen one who would come to bruise the head of Satan, who would reverse the curse. And so the rest of the Old Testament is full of these reminder prophecies about the Messiah who's coming. Over 300, over and over again. God has promised a Messiah. He just keeps doing it over and over in the Old Testament. That's summation of the entire Old Testament. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. And here Luke says, He's here. He's here. The Messiah, the chosen one who's going to reconcile sinners to God. He is here. He is the Christ. All the promises of God are a yes in Christ Jesus. He is the Christ. The last Title and truth, probably the most staggering and awe-inspiring on its own of all things. And it says this, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. What does that mean here? In the first two chapters of Luke, the word Lord occurs 27 times. 25 of those times refers to God himself. Jesus Christ, the Savior, the Messiah, was not just a good man. He wasn't even just a a godly man. And he wasn't even a godlike man. He was the God man. This is the incarnation. That's a theological term that simply means this in the flesh. Theologically, in the Christian culture, it's also called the hypostatic union, which says that Jesus, fully God, fully man, the union of his humanity and God's deity. That is the wonder of this child in the manger. The promised one and the one who made the promise was here. God broke through human history, time and space to put on skin, muscles, and tendons, and bones. He he literally plunged himself into a, a manger full of barnyard animals. In this manger lies a king without a crown. In the manger is our maker. Although he's being held, he holds the world. This is the word, even though he hasn't spoken a word. This infant one is the infinite one. This is God. That's why his name would be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Hebrews 1.3 says this. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Colossians 1.15, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. The invisible God made visible in the person of Jesus Christ. Here's why the incarnation is so important. 
It is because our sin nature makes us depersonalize God. You know how people describe God as a cosmic force, an impersonal deity, the big guy upstairs? Man, we are constantly devaluing and depersonalizing God. Why is our sin nature, why do we do that? Here's why. Because if we can depersonalize God, then we don't have to be accountable to anyone. The incarnation proves that we serve a personal God in the flesh and we all will be held accountable to God because God came, God exists because he came to the earth. Our faith isn't, we always describe the Christian faith as just this blind faith, right? You just believe everything, you just gotta have faith. Did you also know that our faith is very historically rooted? Luke is not storytelling here in this gospel. This is not once upon a time stuff that he's doing. He's describing a day time and space that the creator of the world came to the earth. God came on a day, not a day early, not a day late, a perfect day that was decreed before the foundation of the world. When the fullness of time had come, God came on a real day in human history. He divided history. Did you know that God also came to a place? He came to a real city, a real historical city. It's 6,000 miles from Smyrna, Tennessee. He didn't come to Whoville or Bedford Falls. He came to Bethlehem. Our faith has great historical roots And it is just an amazing thought that our God, our maker, our creator would stoop down to come down here for us. Why did he come down? Why is God the one who is coming in the flesh? The Christmas story does begin with us marveling in the manger, but we also marvel at his mission. Here's his mission. Philippians 2, 5 through 7. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross. God did not send his most powerful angel to do this. He didn't send Gabriel, Archangel, Michael. He didn't send his greatest angel. He didn't send the greatest, smartest, strongest human on the earth. Not a president or a politician. God did this himself. Why did God have to come and do this himself? It's because only God can forgive sins against God. The gospel declares 
that we are saved by God from God. Saved by God from God. What God would do this in any other religion? No other God in any other religion would ever, ever fathom doing this for wicked humanity. God was so driven by his own glory. And God's affections, his mercy, his grace, and his love was so abundant for you. This is what he did. After stooping down to the earth, born into hunger and homelessness, he faced a life of constant suffering, ridicule, disloyalty of disciples, injustice, unjustly accused, bled, beaten. Then he faced, of course, the cruelty of the cross. So we went from manger to massacre at Calvary. Why did God do all of that? It's because of his great love, his great mercy, his great amazing grace that he went to that depth, to those levels because you and I needed a savior. And only, only God in his sinless life, his sacrificial death and his perfect resurrection could do that for you and for me. This is why, church, this is such good news of great joy. The text, if we read it right, says that Jesus, look at it again, verse 11, that he is a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So the question is, Is he your savior? Is he your Christ? And is he your Lord? The fact that he was born doesn't universally save every human on the face of the earth. This salvation that he gave to us is only available for those who believe. Those who believe. Not to people who just agree, not even for people that understand, not even for people who prayed a prayer. That's not in the Bible. This salvation is only available for those who believe. Believe means I believe it in such a way that it changes my life. It changes my allegiance from self to God. It changes my affections for a love of God. It changes my inside, everything about me, my mind, my heart, my soul. That is biblical belief. It isn't just change where I go to on Christmas Eve. There's nothing to do with that. Saving biblical belief is when you trust it and it changes you at your very core. So my question is, is he your savior tonight? Is he your Christ? And is he your Lord? If not, 
and you don't really know, you're kind of like, ah, oh, trusted. And I prayed the prayer when I was young. I went to VBS. I came to church. I go to Christmas Eve service. I've done all these things, but I don't really know when you kind of say those things. Listen, what a great night to be saved. What a great night for you to be saved. What a great night for this to not be just another Christmas Eve nostalgic service that we go to. The invitation is for you tonight to believe that he is a savior, that he is Christ, and he is the Lord God. He is worthy and we are needy people. So I do pray that this is not just another service. I pray that if you don't know the, know the Lord Jesus Christ, that tonight will be the night. Here's how you can do a couple of things. That's your response. You could check a box on a card. You can stop up on the way out, shake a hand, just say something to us. We'll go grab coffee once Christmas kind of goes through. We'll pray out there if you want to right now. We'll talk. Uh, we'll walk through those things with you. But that is what we want you to know above all things. If you know that, And you are, yes, he's my savior. Yes, he's my Christ. Yes, he's my Lord. Listen, you have received the greatest gift you'll ever receive on this earth. I don't care what you get or don't get tomorrow. It don't matter what you have or you don't have. If you have Jesus and you have nothing else but Jesus, you have everything. You have everything, the greatest gift ever, which is Jesus Christ, our Lord. So what we're going to do right now is this. Yes, we celebrate his birth, but at Christmas, we also celebrate his death. And Jesus told us how to do that. He said, for those who believe that Jesus Christ is a savior, he is the Christ, that he is the Lord, I want you to do that in such a way to physically demonstrate that you actually believe that. He gave the church ordinances to do that, baptism and the Lord's Supper. So tonight, we're going to physically and outwardly show an inward belief that we believe in those things. That's the Lord's Supper. So if you have your elements and you got those at the door, go ahead and get those out. Now, I will say this. If you have not trusted in Christ, you are not following Christ, you don't know Christ in these ways, you are to not partake in this tonight. That would be an unworthy manner. And Paul's very clear, don't do this in an unworthy manner. So your, your response, even if you got one in your hand as, as you walked in and someone handed you one, if you don't know the Lord or you're in some serious, dark, perpetual sin in your life, you need to, you need to hold off. Don't walk in to take this meal in that kind of way. But if you're a follower of Christ, please take. Kids, if your kids have not trusted in Christ yet, hold off on that. Have a great conversation on the way home. But as we believers in the room, how we take this meal, you know, the next day or two, you're going to eat a lot of food. You're going to eat because you're hungry. You're going to eat because you're together with family. In the same way, the Lord's Supper, we eat because we're hungry. We're hungry for Christ hungry for our soul's bread and our soul's drink. When we do this, we get filled up with more of Christ. It doesn't just feed the belly, it feeds the soul. We do it because we're together as a faith family. So I'm gonna give you just a moment to do that. And as you do this, here's the posture of your heart and your mind as you go to the Lord. You come to him as a very lowly, humble sinner who still needs a savior. We all have something to confess and repent in this moment, including myself. So I want to give you space to do that. 
And then I'm going to come back up and I'm going to lead us through all together in just a moment. Lord, as we come to your table and we draw near to you, God, I pray that the posture of our hearts is one of humility and not elitism, that we would not just partake in this as another mechanical movement of the church, but that we would understand your grace. And not because of what we've done, but because of what you've done through Jesus Christ. God, deepen our grace, our understanding and appreciation for what you've done. We lift you up, your body and your blood, in Jesus' name, amen. Paul's words in Corinthians 11. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given it thanks, he broke it and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Paul meant as we take this, we look backwards at the cross and we look forward to the second return of Christ. We'll keep eating, we'll keep drinking these little appetizers until Christ returns and invites us to this great feast, the wedding supper of the Lamb. As we leave here, listen, you're going to walk out of here like I'm going to walk out of here. 
And uh, we're going to go to family events, Christmas gatherings. We're going to be doing all of those things. Listen, go enjoy all of those things. Those are good things. But the reality is also is we're going to face an onslaught of obstacles to forgetting everything we've heard tonight. That's who we are. We're forgetful people. And so as we go, my prayer is this for us and our church, that as we go, that we remember as Christ a Savior, as the Christ and the Lord, that he is so worthy of our allegiance that he may not leave here and be swallowed up by Santa or be diminished to a decoration. He's not a forgotten footnote after today. He is so much more worthy of everything that we give. So I pray as a church, we leave here. He has first place in our hearts and our minds and our homes because he is worthy. So I pray that upon our church. I'm going to light the Christ candle, right? This is what we're going to do. We're going to stand. So go ahead and if you can sit all your things down, we're going to stand. We're going to sing silent night. Uh, I wish you all a Merry Christmas. I genuinely do. I love you. Thank you for coming to our church. Come back and see us. We're here every single Sunday. Uh, We love you.
again, just our voices. Christ the Savior is born. Thank you for coming to celebrate that with us. We pray that you have a beautiful Christmas tomorrow, and we will see you this Sunday for our family service.